Well, God has given me a word for next year, and I'm going to come back and officially minister that full message in a, in a few weeks before the, the year's out. But I want to give you what God has given me to give you to set that message up. And I believe God has given me this because there's some things we need to do in 2023 to make sure we fully maximize what he wants to do in 2024. It's kind of like if you've ever, ever shown up to an appointment, a doctor's appointment or something else, and you didn't do the stuff they told you on the front end, didn't fill out the paperwork, you didn't do something else, and it, 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 it hinders your experience when you get there because you didn't properly prepare for your visit. God's getting ready to visit us in 2024. In order for us to get the full maximum exposure from what he wants to do, we need to make sure we prepare ourselves in 2023. So I'm going to give you the word of the Lord, the, the prophetic word he gave me for next year. 2024 is a year of the presence of the Lord. It's a year for God's people to become God's shadow and only move when he moves and stay still when he's staying still. The world, the world around you is going to get darker more fearful, and more confusing in 2024. There will be events that will shatter the confidence of some and throw entire man-made systems into chaos. But those who have anchored their life in the presence of the Lord will not only survive the dark times, but they will thrive in the dark times, and others will look to you for consolation and direction. So practice my presence daily and throughout each day. Long for my presence like you long for oxygen to breathe. Gather together with others who esteem my presence and separate yourself from intimate connections with those who dishonor my presence. The gulf is widening and the glory is necessary in order for you to know how to take steps of victory. The decision is yours. So choose today and every day. Blessing. Presence, wisdom, favor, healing, prosperity, protection, and all that heaven has in store for you, or struggle, carnality, personal preference, worldly insight, public opinion, and all that Satan wants to throw your way. Everybody said out loud, 2024 is a year of the presence of the Lord. Now, Psalm number 16, verse 11 says this. He says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Amen. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In God's presence is fullness of joy. Everybody say fullness of joy. Fullness of Come on, everybody shout fullness of joy. <laughs> the Bible says when you get over into God's presence, one thing you can expect is your joy can get filled up. Why? Because God keeps his joy contained in his presence. So if you get over in his presence, his joy will start to fill you up. Well, how many know that not only in the presence of the Lord can you get fullness of joy, I don't believe he keeps his joy in his presence and his peace in the closet somewhere. No, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy, but in the presence of the Lord, I believe there's fullness of peace too. That's why the Bible says that God will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is what? stayed on him. Well, the best way to keep your mind on him is in his presence. I believe that in the presence of the Lord, you also have fullness of protection. That's why the Bible says in Psalm number 91, that he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide or live under the shadow of the Almighty. And the Bible says this, that when you're under the shadow of the Almighty, a thousand may fall at your side, 
10,000 at your right hand. Come on, but it will not come near you. It says bullets may fly past you day and night, but they will not harm you. Why? Because you're in the fullness of God's protection. I believe that the fullness of God's provision is in his presence. That's why the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, that God will supply your every need, <clears throat> not based on the economy, not based on gas prices. Come on, somebody. Not based on inflation. Can I just say, will you please stop talking about inflation? You know, you know God is not in heaven going, oh, my gosh, inflation is up. No matter how high inflation goes, the God you serve is still able to meet your need. Because he supplies your need, not according to how much you get paid on your day job, but according to his riches that are in glory that are in Christ Jesus in his presence. I also believe that the fullness of rest and peace is sitting there in God's presence. That's why Jesus said, all of you that are weary, all of you that are tired, he said, come to me. He didn't say go to have a spa day. Nothing wrong with a spa day. But he said, if you're weary, if you're tired, you need to come to me. Why? Because when we come to Jesus, we find rest. Come on, somebody. We find peace. Come on, somebody. We find every answer we need awaiting us in the presence of God. And God doesn't want to just give us a little bit of his presence. He wants to fill us up. In fact, John chapter 10, verse 10 says it this way. <clears throat> it says, the thief comes only in order to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, this is the reason why I came. Notice, he didn't come to steal from you. He didn't come to kill you or your dreams. He didn't come to destroy your life. He, Jesus said, the reason why I came, I have come that they may have, have and enjoy life. Anybody ready to enjoy this life? But then he said, but I also want them to have this life in abundance to the full. Watch this. Watch this. Until it what? Come on. I can't hear until it does what? Come on. Until it does what? You mean God's attitude toward you, his child. He didn't want you to just have a little itty-bitty, teensy-weensy sprinkling of life. He said, I want you to have this life. I want you to enjoy this life to the full until life starts to overflow for you. You know what happens when life overflows in good ways? When it starts to overflow for you, you got some extra to share with somebody else now. Come on, when your love tank is filled up, then you won't be so mean to everybody else. Then you can share some love with your neighbor, man. You can share forgiveness with somebody else when your tank is full. When you got peace like a river, man. You can turn around and share some of that peace with other people. When your prosperity tank is in overflow... God can put your tank in overflow. When you're in overflow, then you can turn around and realize you are indeed blessed to be a blessing. God wants to fill our lives with every single promise that is in his word that has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. But there is a problem. I want to give you what the problem is right here. Here's the problem. God cannot fill us with more of him if we're already at capacity with the clutter of the world. Hmm? That was good, wasn't it? God cannot fill us with more of him if we're already at capacity with the clutter of the world. Now, I want to read a, a, a story to you over here in 2 Kings chapter 4 that kind of sets the foundation for what we're talking about. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, it says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, and she said, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant, my husband, feared the Lord. She said, but the creditors have come to take my two sons to be his slaves. Now, in order for that to make any sense, that doesn't really make sense in our, in our time today. But back then when this was written, there was no bankruptcy. There was no, I, I, I know I made this debt, I just can't pay it. 
In fact, if you made a debt back then and couldn't pay it, they would come and take your children to become slaves, indentured servants, until they worked off your debt. It's a good thing they didn't have that now, because some of you would go in debt on purpose, get rid of some of them kids. <laughs> You'd be swiping your credit card, swipe. <laughs> come get him, swipe. <laughs> but you know, today they don't come and grab your kids because you're in debt. I mean, nowadays, if they, they call in your house, you, know, you can make all the debts in the world, and they start calling your house, you can answer the phone with a different voice. Hello? Or you know what some of you do? You don't even answer the phone. You let your kids answer the phone. Uh, this, this is uh, Johnson Bank Credit Union, and we're trying to find Mrs. Mosley. And the daughter like, Mama, they said they want, they're trying, they're trying to find, who is it? It's the bank. Tell them I'm not here. She says she's not here. <laughs> well, back then, there was no bankruptcy. There was no hoping that student loans get wiped out. If you created a debt and could not pay it, even after you died, they would come to take your children to make them slaves until they paid off your debt. This prophet has died. He left bills behind. That's a whole nother message I'm going to preach today. He left bills behind, didn't leave his family prepared and taken care of. And they came to take his sons to be slaves. And the, the wife comes to the prophet and says, you know my husband, he served God. You know my husband, he was faithful to God. But he left some debt, and they're coming to take my sons to be slaves. Verse 2, Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Watch this. He says, tell me, what do you have in the house? She said, your maidservant has nothing in the house. I don't have anything except for a jar of oil. Then he said, go and borrow vessels from everywhere, from all of your neighbors, but make sure they are empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. Watch this. When there was no more vessels, the oil stopped. Well, now God performed a miracle for this woman because what happened is she filled, she filled all these vessels with oil. She had a little oil, but as she kept pouring into empty vessels, those vessels kept filling up, and she kept pouring more and kept pouring more. Don't know where it came from, but she kept pouring more and kept pouring more until she ran out of vessels. And then when all those vessels were full, she didn't just sit them in the cabinet. They went to sell that oil, took the money, was able to pay off the debt so her sons didn't end up in slavery. God did a miracle for her, and I want you to know God wants to do a miracle for you in 2024 as well. But there are some lessons that we need to learn from this woman and from this story. The first lesson we take away is this. God will always work with what you have. He'll always work with what you have. God's not asking you to give something you don't have. He's not asking you to, to magically make up something. He's not asking you to feel guilty because you don't have as much to give as somebody else. He will always work with you with what you have. That's why he asked her, what can I do for you? What do you have in the house? God said, let me start with just figuring out what you actually have right now. How many know we usually have more than we give ourselves credit for? In fact, in this world now where we're constantly on social media looking at everybody else's highlight reel, comparing it to our real life, if you don't watch, you can sit around and start feeling bad for yourself like God hasn't been good to you. But I'm here to tell you, God has been good to you. I'm going to say it again, God has been good to you. I'm going to say it to you, understand it, God has been good to you. I said, God has been good to you. Yeah, I don't think you heard me. I said, God has been good to you. Now I'm talking to you. God has been good to you. 
He woke you up this morning. Come on, somebody. You've had food on your table all year long, somebody. Come on, you got clothes on your back, somebody. You got a car to drive. Come on, you got a job to go to. God has been good to you. He kept you safe from car accidents, come on, and plane wrecks. God has been good to you whether you realize it or not this year. Come on, shout amen, somebody. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 12, he says, if you are eager to give, then God will accept your gift on the basis of what you have to give, not on what you don't have to give. Remember, remember Jesus standing there when they were collecting the offering, this old widow woman came up with two mites. All the rich people were putting in wads of money. Jesus said she gave more than all of them because they gave from their excess. She's given from her real need. What am I saying? Whatever it is that God's wanting you to do, he's willing to work with what you have right now. And it's so easy to allow life to draw our attention to what we don't have or what we still need instead of celebrating what God has already placed in our hand. Somebody ought to thank God one more time for how good he's already been to you. I know we're believing for more things, but we got to slow down and thank him for how good he's been already. Reminds me of Moses when God comes to Moses and he tells him, I got an assignment for you. <clears throat> he said, I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses starts coming with all kinds of excuses. He says, if I go to Pharaoh, who am I going to tell him sent me? He said, just tell him I am that I am sent you. He said, well, well he said, uh, I would do it, God, but, but I, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I don't talk well. And this is what God said. He said, well, who made man's mouth? In other words, every excuse Moses came up with, God had an answer for him. And then finally God said this to him. He says, what is that you have in your hand? Moses had a staff. He's out there taking care of the sheep. He has a staff. God says, take that staff that you have in your hand. In other words, I will work with whatever you got. I'm not punishing you for what you didn't show up to the table. He said, what do you have in your hand? He took his staff. He said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground. It turned into a snake. This dude took off and ran. <laughs> the mighty deliverer took off and ran. Then God said, grab it by the tail. I, I can imagine Moses. He grabs it by the tail, and it turns into a staff again. God was trying to teach him that I will take what's in your hand and make a miracle out of what you have, not what you don't have. Hmm? It was that same staff that God had him to stretch out toward the Red Sea and cause the Red Sea to open up. It was that same staff that, called, that God told him to strike this rock with. And when he struck the rock, water came out of the rock. There was enough water to satisfy the thirst of all those Jews. What am I saying? God will use what you have in your hand. The reason why we have Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter, we call it Palm Sunday because when Jesus was riding into Jerusalem from Bethany, they cut palm branches down because that's what they had to work with. They put palm branches down in front of him. They took their outer coats and spread it in front of him. They used what they had to work with. If Jesus had been riding in from Tacoma to Seattle, Washington, it would be called Evergreen Sunday because they wouldn't have had any palms to put down. But God wouldn't have penalized them because they didn't have palms. He will work with you with whatever you have. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. But this one thing God won't do. He won't keep sit and listen to all the excuses and the reasons why you haven't done what he said yet. Come on, because there's some of you that God's been talking to you for a long time. Even when I talk about, you know, growth track and, and actually going ahead and becoming a member of this church, there's some of you that at the beginning of this year, God spoke to you and told you already, this is your church. You've been, you've been, you've been investigating us for three years. 
You see, I'm still the same. Yeah, still the same. I mean, if you, if you, if you haven't gotten mad at me yet, this is probably your church. But God's been talking to you about growth track, and you just keep putting it off, keep pushing to the future, waiting for, the, waiting for everything to get just right. Well, so, some of you that God has talked to you about getting plugged into a small group and all the stuff that you've been dealing with that you're trying to get free from, God has answers for you with other family and friends in a small group, but you keep using this excuse, I'm a private person. You better say amen if folks won't know I'm talking to you. You know, I mean, some of you know God's been talking to you about serving in the church, man. You've gone out there, you've gotten the information, you talk to them at the next steps counter. In fact, they see you coming, they know you're coming again. Because <laughs> you keep planning to do it, but you don't actually step over to obey the thing God said. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. Some of you guys have put on your heart to go to step five. So you can get more development. Some of you, he's been tugging at you. You've been sitting in this church since Merrill Road in the parking lot when I showed up for the first service. And he's been dealing with you about going to Impact College. And you've been talking for years. For three years, you've been telling God not this year. Well, I got a verse for you. Tell your neighbor, God's got a verse for you. No, tell him like you mean. Say, God's got a verse for you. This is the verse for you right here. Ecclesiastes 11.4. Those who wait for the perfect weather will never plant seeds. And those who look around at every cloud will never harvest a crop. As long as you're sitting around waiting instead of just going ahead and obeying what God is saying now, he's telling you go ahead and forgive that person, forgive them. You say, but they didn't ask for forgiveness yet. Go ahead and forgive them anyway in the feud, even though they haven't come to ask you for forgiveness. If he's tugging at your heart to go ahead and start that business, whatever God has been dealing with you about, it's time to get busy doing what he said without, without all the excuses. 2024, this is what it is for you. It's time to stop waiting on the conditions to be just right before you obey what God is saying for you to do. Amen. You look at me today, and I'm standing here on stage today, and I'm you know, blessed to be able to minister to thousands of people every week, and been doing it now for 30 years, pouring into the lives of other people, but you weren't there at the beginning of my journey. See, the beginning of my journey, I was a college student at Michigan State and I had made a promise to God. I said, Lord, whatever you tell me from this moment on, I'll do it. You got to be watchful when you tell God that. I should have added some conditions in there. But he came along and said, I want you to leave Michigan State. I want you to go home and go to Bible school. And man, it, it messed my head up. I've told you a story before. It took me a while before I could get on board with what God was saying. When I finally did, I signed up for Bible school. They admitted me, and I was terrified. And I was terrified because I, my biggest fear is I thought I was going to flunk out of Bible school. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I was a 3.5 student in the engineering program at Michigan State. I was not a dummy. I knew I had some smarts, but I couldn't have told you three Bible stories from beginning to end when I went to Bible school. I could have told you a little bit of David and Goliath, kind of pieced that one together. Could have told you a little bit of Daniel in the lion's den. And, you know, I could have told you a little bit about the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and the bad Negro. I knew about the three of them. <laughs> But I could not have told you three Bible stories all the way through from beginning to end. So I, I was afraid I was going to flunk out. And then I didn't have, I'm talking about all my excuses. I didn't have the right clothes to wear. Because unlike our impact college, we allow you to come in, in casual attire. You don't have to have on a suit and dress. But our, our school back then matched our church back then. So you had to have on a, a full suit every day. I'm 20 years old. I don't have suits. I don't have suit tuh. <laughs> Definitely no S's on it, man. So I got to figure out how do I go to Bible school? This is my excuse to God. 
And so God, he led me to this thrift store. And I went to this thrift store, and they had a couple things I could, could wear. And, you know, you could match a couple things up to make it look like another outfit. And they had this one suit that I thought was bad, man. It was a tweed color suit, like a brown with, like, red stitching in it. And I found a tie that matched. Only problem is back then, I, my waist was like a 28, maybe a 30 on, right after Thanksgiving. I had a, and whoever owned this suit before they took it to the thrift store was like a 44 waist. And so I put it on. I loved it. But, man, it had all this room left in the pants. So I, I wasn't going to let that deter me. I took it to the, to the alterations place, and the lady cut down the jacket for me. And she cut the pants down, so I wanted, I wanted the legs to be you know, tight like this. And she cut it down. And I went back to, you know, to put my suit on and try it on. I was like, oh, put on the pants. I was like, that's nice. Put on the jacket. It fit. Then I turned around in the back to look in the mirror, and because she had to cut so much material out, the pockets was touching each other. Y'all just gonna sit there and laugh at me right there, huh? I didn't have two pockets, I had like one big pocket across the back. <laughs> it was so bad that I wore my suit though, huh? I looked good on the outside. When I was sitting in that class, I don't care how hot it got, the teacher may say, you guys can take your jacks off. I'm like, I'm fine. I don't need to take it off. <laughs> My point being, watch this. When God calls you, come on, he don't want to hear all those excuses. When God tells you there's something he wants you, he don't want all the excuses. He wants you to let him use what you have. He'll work with what you have until he can get more into your hand. Second lesson we got to learn here is that God needs empty vessels to fill. And the prophet tells her in verse 3, he says, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all of your neighbors. Then he clarifies, he said, don't, don't borrow vessels that already have stuff in it. Get empty vessels. Elisha specifically tells her, no, 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 be sure when your sons go out, be sure they come back with empty vessels. Can I tell you this? In 2024, God needs us to empty ourselves of anything or anyone that hinders his capacity to fill us up. Trying to get you ready for next year, 2024, if you want things to go well for you, if you want to see the hand of God, the presence of God work on your behalf, God needs you to get rid of anything or anyone that is hindering his ability to fill you up. See, what God wants to do is he wants to make sure that his presence is able to fill you. God's got a presence, man, that when God begins to fill you up, it changes everything in your life. But the problem is, see, God cannot and he will not try to fill a vessel that's already full. Because if he tries to fill a vessel that's already full, it, it just it spills out. And this is how many of us look from heaven's vantage point. Because God is ready to fill us up with his presence, but we got anger and bitterness already filling us on the inside. You mad at everybody, man. You call yourself a believer on Sunday mornings, and you sing all these great songs, and then you mean as a junkyard dog on Monday and Tuesday, and you got all these folks you don't speak to no more. I don't deal with them no more. I, I, don't, I don't fool with them anymore. And God is saying, in order for me to fill you up, you're going to have to empty yourself out of all that anger and bitterness. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, somebody shout this shout. Empty it out. Come on, say it again. Empty it out. Some of you are watching. I know this, this, this register right here. Some of you are filled with a need to control everything. Come on, keep looking straight ahead. <laughs> if you look down, they're going to know. Just... <laughs> In fact, just go, amen. God can't take where he's trying to take you because you're trying to drive. 
You're trying to steer the whole thing. You're trying to fix everybody in your life. You want them to be in the image of what you created them to be. The reason you're so stressed out because you're trying to control everything and everybody. Some of you are filled with, uh, with some greed and covetousness. Some of you are filled out, watch this, with some wrong motives. God wants to do some things for you, but your motives are wrong. And he can't pour into you if you got your heart filled with all these wrong motives. Some of you got some selfish ambition in there. God wants to do something great for you, but you're more concerned about what you're going to get out of it. And see, think about God. God won't tell you the benefits at the end until you take the steps to obey him today. Then here's a good one. God's trying to fill some of you up, but, he, but watch this right here. Watch this right here. Right here. Some of you are filled up with wrong relationships. Me and Mrs. Mrs. Jones. We have entered. The, we have officially entered the cuffing season. Oh, and the enemy's going to send them from your past. You better believe it. I'm, I'm having fun with it, but I'm trying to warn you. The enemy's going to send folks from your past, folks that you used to connect with, folks that you used to have, you know, this energy with. And he's trying to get you to get connected with the wrong relations because as long as you watch as long as you are filled with the wrong person, God's not going to send you the right person. Can I just say, as long as God is not a player, so long as you are wasting time communicating with somebody you know is not it. God's not going to send you the right person. You can do all the praying you want to do. God, he's, God is not sending them to you. Because you don't trust him enough to just be by yourself with God like Adam was. And by yourself with God like Eve was. You got to have somebody to text back and forth with. You got to dangle them on a little string just so you can have somebody around. Feel good about yourself. God says, as long as you're getting filled up from their words... I don't need to send you anybody that can fill you up the right way. So what is God trying to say? He's trying to say, I, I, I need you to empty out. I need you to empty out that anger, empty out the bitterness, empty out that need to control, empty out the greed, empty out all that hurt, empty out the grief, empty out all the wrong motives, empty out those bad relationships, get rid of it all. Because once you become an empty vessel, now God says, I can turn around and start to fill you up. Come on, you don't know life until the presence of God starts to fill you up. Because when God fills you, God will fill you up in a way that brings joy and contentment like nobody else can. Matthew 16, Jesus said this. He said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Another way of saying it, you got to empty out, man can't do it your way. You got to empty out. Give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Listen to this. The degree to which God will fill you up in 2024 will be in direct proportion to the degree that you empty out leaving 2023. It's up to you. How much room are you going to make for him? <laughs> How much room are you going to make for him? You're going to feel like you're going to empty out just the anger and bitterness, believe all that wrong relationship stuff? You're going to empty out a couple things, believe, however much you empty out. That's how much God is able to fill you up over into next year. The third thing that you got to learn from this lesson is that some miracles require a change of scenery. Some miracles re require a change of scenery. If I, if I said it another way, I'd say it this way. Everybody can't go with you to your next destination. 
Did you notice something that, that, that the prophet said to her? He says, when you have come into the house, he said, I want you to shut the door behind you and your sons. He said, then I want you to start pouring. Well, I, I, wonder why, I wonder why the prophet said that. He said, when you, I, I, they go out and borrow vessels, bring the vessels in the house. He said, but when they get in here, don't start pouring right away. Once your sons get in the house, he said, close the door. I believe he wanted to probably lock the door. He says, then I want you to start pouring. In other words, the miracle can't happen until you close the door behind you. I have my theory. I have my belief. My daughter actually pointed this out. I mean, a great revelation. I believe the reason why he wanted them to close the door is so watch this so the wrong people didn't end up in the room with your miracle. Come on, let's just be real. You know how, you know how people are. Her son show up next door. My mama uh, says she wanted, need, need, need to borrow one of your, your, your empty vessels. Okay, well, what she needed for? I, I, I can't say. Borrow from this girl, then you go over to Miss Jackson's house. My, my mother said, can she borrow one of your empty vessels? Well, after a while, Miss Jackson them coming out the house. I'm going there to see what Elizabeth's doing in her house. <laughs> and what God didn't want, watch this, all these doubters and unbelievers and curious people in the house trying to spy on what he's trying to do in your life. You still with me? I said, are you still with me? See, listen to this. In our social media generation, some people are more concerned with bringing everybody along for the miracle than creating an atmosphere for God to actually perform the miracle. Some folks are so busy trying to capture it so they can post it. God gives you one little inkling of what he's trying to say. You got to tell the world your prophecy. When God hadn't even said, tell anybody it yet. Come on, man, I'm trying to help you. For some of you, 2024 is a year where you finally learn how to move in silence until God announces you on the scene. Everything God tells you is not meant to be publicized. Everybody can't be in the room when the miracle happens. When Jesus went to the house of Jairus, whose 12-year-old daughter was sick, and then she died, he walks into the house, everybody's crying. He says she's just sleeping. Everybody then starts laughing at him. The Bible says this. He put all of them out. It wasn't even his house. He started putting, get you behind her. Get, get what you would. He starts putting people out. Why? The miracle didn't happen to the house was full of faith. Who you got in the house with you that's just... Close the door behind you. I know we've been cool since kindergarten. I know we've been BFFs, but I don't have time for you to mess up what God's trying to do next year, man. We can still be cool, but we ain't going to be able to hang like we used to if you're still trying to drag me to places that I know I shouldn't be going. I'm not holier than thou. I just know I'm broken to the place where I need to be repaired. And I can't be repaired while you're still chipping away and breaking me some more. I mean, it's all in the Bible. Go back and read the story of Joseph. God gave Joseph a legitimate dream. Joseph saw himself. He saw, he saw this vision. He saw his sheaves standing up, and his brother's sheaves were all bowing down to him. He saw the sun and the moon, which represented his mother and father, coming to pay obeisance or giving honor to him. And the problem was he was young. He was 17 at the time, and nobody had trained him that everything God tells you is not for public consumption. So he went and told the wrong people at the wrong time. And because he told the wrong people at the wrong time, he ended up in a pit. He ended up in slavery. He ended up in prison. He went through 13 years of hell that he never had to deal with. But he dealt with it because he started talking to the wrong people at the wrong time. I wonder if God can trust you to 
let him put some secret things in your heart? And have you only shared with the counselors or people God has placed in your life for accountability, but not for the need to post it for everybody to see and hype yourself up and this is what's coming and just move in silence. I got some stuff, man, I want to tell you all so bad. I want to tell, I want to tell you so bad. There's some stuff God is working on for this ministry. Woo. Every week I, got to, I had to listen to God. Nope, keep your mouth shut, son. It's not time yet. Can you be quiet until God releases you to share the rest of what he wants you to say? Because if you can keep it between you and God and your team of people he put in your life until it's fully baked, God will step you out. And he'll, watch this, he'll let you have a full meal right in front of your enemies because you trusted him. Here's the last thing we got to know, is that God will always fill as long as we have capacity. Remember, the oil didn't stop until they ran out of capacity. God's not just going to pour oil all over the floor. I mean, you don't have anything else to put it in, I might as well stop the oil from flowing. As long as they had vessels, there was still oil flowing. How much room are you willing to make for God in 2024? How much room are you willing to make? What are you willing to renounce, to, to push to the side? What secret thing that nobody else knows is going on are you willing to crucify before you head over to 2024? See, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 2, 4, verse 2. It says, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame. In other words, we detached ourselves from that stuff. The word renounce literally means to formally declare that you have abandoned something. It means to give up something to refuse something or to reject it? What is it in your life that you're prepared to renounce in 2023 so you can be ready to step over to 2024? What are you willing to detach from? What relationships? What, what secret thing that nobody else knows about that you've just been working through with God? God hears your prayers. He does know your heart. But knowing your heart and meeting your need are two different things. There's some things God can't move on our behalf with until we're willing to put it on the altar before him and let the sun heal that space on the inside of us. Listen to this. What new spiritual discipline are you prepared to commit to in next year? For some of you, the devil knows how many times a month you'll come to church. He's waiting on you at the front door. You ready? It's just church day. Because you're only going to go once, maybe once or twice a month and feel like you've done something. I wonder what would happen if you committed, I just wonder if you committed to every single Sunday next year, as long as you were alive and breathing and in town, what if you committed it? I'm not letting myself get stuck just watching TV. Nothing wrong with being online, but there's something better than being online when you can be in the presence here. Wonder what, what new spiritual discipline, what new commitment to prayer, maybe Saturday morning prayer. I'm here every Saturday when I'm in town. What, what new commitment are you willing to make? What new discipline will you put in place? Because if insanity is to do the same thing in 2024 that you did in 2023, but you expect something else to happen. You're mad at the end of the year that I didn't experience no presence. Well, you ain't do nothing. <laughs> the blessing wasn't on me, but okay, what did you give God to work with this year? I'm just saying. Mark 3, verse 14, he chose 12 who he named disciples. And he said, I have chosen you to be with me, is what he told them. Notice he, he said, I've chosen you to be with me, not to preach. I've chosen you to be with me, not to heal the sick. I've chosen you to be with me, not to sing on my worship team. I've chosen you to be with me, not to park cars in the parking lot. 
I've chosen. Your calling is to be with me, not even to take care of the babies in the nursery. And then he said, but I will also send you out to preach. In other words, that's your secondary calling. The disciples' primary calling was the same as ours. Above everything else, our first calling is always to simply be with Jesus. And if you don't get anything else right in 2024, be Mary instead of Martha. Be the one that's, I'm going to sit right here at the feet of Jesus. I don't know what else I may be messing up, but the one thing I know, God's not going to call my name and find me not in the presence. There's a, there's a scene over in the movie called Love and Basketball where Omar Epps and Sanaya Latham are outside the little dorm, and, and they have just broken up, had this, this little fight, and, and she's trying to figure out what I do wrong. He says this. He says, you forgot to be here. Don't let it be said about you in 2024 by God. You forgot to be here. Don't let it be we get to the end of 2024 and God's protected you again and healed you again and provided for you again and done all the stuff he does for you. And he's got to say, but you, you forgot to be here. You forgot to show up in my presence like we agreed to when we started off this amazing year. Lift up your hands in this place. Thank you, Father. Father, we ask you to speak to our hearts right now. Show us ourselves, Father. No guilt, no condemnation. We know we're righteous. We know you love us just like we are. But we also know you love us too much to leave us like we are. So we ask you to show us, Father God, what tweaks, what adjustments you want for us to make. We make the promise before you, Lord. We will adjust. We will tweak. We will let you change us so we can be everything you created us to be. In Jesus' name. Every head is bowed. All eyes are closed. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you. I'm not saying you're a bad person. You could actually be one of the nicest people in the building and still not be saved. That's because salvation is not something we earn from God by being good. It's a free gift that God extends to mankind. But like any other gift, he can extend it to us, but we got to receive it. So if you're here today and you're not saved, you're not sure if you were to go to heaven when you died today, I'm going to ask you, will you let me pray for you? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come up here to the front of the auditorium, but right there at your seat or right there online, I want to lead you in a really simple prayer that will really change your life if you mean this with all your heart. So every head is bowed and all eyes are closed. I'm going to look around. I'm going to count to three in just a moment. When I get to three, if you're saying, yes, pastor, yes, George, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus Christ. And when I get to three, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up as high as you can. And I'm going to ask you to do it as quickly as you can because the devil's going to try everything he can to talk you out of it. But be bold and be courageous when I get to three. If you're ready to surrender to Jesus, shoot your hand up as high as you can. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift your hand up all over the room. Thank you. Beautiful. I see that hand, that hand there, another hand there. Thank you. I see another hand there. Thank you. Another hand right there. Thank you, ma'am. Another hand there. Thank you, sir. Another hand there. Thank you. See that hand. Another hand there. Thank you, sir. See that hand there. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. All over the room, hands are going up. Anybody else? Just slip your hand up. Thank you. Another hand there. Thank you. Another one there. Beautiful. Anybody online, you can lift your hand too. I can't see you, but heaven can see you. And our team is going to put a little poll right there on the screen that you can click that little button that says, I want to give my life to Jesus. Anybody else? Every one of you that have your hand raised, I want you to whisper this prayer right there at your seat. Say, dear God in heaven, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. He paid the price for my sin, but you raised him from the dead, and he's alive right now. Jesus, come into my life now. Save me. Forgive me. Make me brand new. I surrender my life to you for the rest of my days. According to the Bible, I am born again. Amen. God bless.